All right, welcome, gentlemen. <laughs> welcome, gentlemen, and also Keith's glorious beard to episode 12 of the Simcast. We're calling it Trade Wars. <coughs> Excuse me. Can't help it. So in this episode, uh, my guests and I today are going to be discussing components of trade and the marketplace and the overall function that has in the game and how that's going to impact communities that potentially will lead to wars of all different types. Um, trade wars generally uh, refers to more of the economical uh, standing and the conflict therein and uh, just just specialized in trade, just trade only um, and, and people fighting in, in trying to you know, have a greater brand, uh, create uh, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, sometimes the standard and sometimes the uh, most sought or desired item um, economically that leads to higher funds for said person or community or nation, etc. Um, I hope I kind of put that into words right. But we w I want to get started today and actually take a look at, I didn't look at the, the, the shop this month. I haven't mentioned it really. We had just gotten done uh, looking at uh, some of the archetypes recently in the craft ep episodes, three-part episodes that we had, and uh, we were really focusing on that pretty heavily. So we didn't uh, really talk about their shop a whole lot. And so I'm looking at their shop, and I'm just going to talk about it briefly. Um, and the main thing I want to 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 mention, and, and maybe I can get your all's feedback. I did post a link there for you to take a look at, but I'm looking at this and you know, every month they come out with the new pre-order pack. We've talked about this before too. And we've already talked about how some of us feel like maybe the prices are a bit steep, a little bit high. And when we're talking about, this is kind of a great episode trade. Uh, I'm looking up there and they've got some cosmetics that I'm pretty excited about. I like actually like a lot. Um, the freehold manor one, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it, but let me go pull it up real fast here. The details right it is the man my old man eyes the um velcars or velcors eye and it's that big uh freehold cosmetic skin whatever you want to call it appearance and it basically looks like a keep and the thing about it that strikes me as interesting is it's got that big beacon of light oh there's some of his light bringer stuff again right He's got this big, almost like a telescope or, um, I don't know. It looks like it, you know, it could be some sort of a mages thing. A lot of, I noticed that a lot of the cosmetics too, when I look over them, they have this almost like gold light kind of, uh, theme to them. And there's a skin as well, uh, that I was looking at here. Uh, but when I go and look at this costumes and armor, it's not that one. Building accessories, bundles. Yeah, there it is right there. They have the different bundles, and they've got a turtle mount. They've got this eye, which actually the eye reminds me of um, the Legend of Zelda. Uh, in those, especially if you played the second one, uh, the Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening, um, there are the floating eyes that you always saw if you ever played that game, and it was a two D um, kind of like from the side, a lot like the Kung Fu games and stuff like that, Mario Brothers. Um, but that particular Zelda was from that perspective. And it reminds me of the floating eyes that you saw in a lot of the keeps whenever you would be, uh, um, trying to wake the princess up from her, uh, curse or whatever. Um, they've got a boat 
and now we're swaying over to this boat. It looks like kind of like a Viking boat. It's got like a ton, tons of oars on the sides. Um, it's kind of long and it, it really has that like Viking look to it kind of feel. And then you've got the cosmetic for the outfit, which it's, uh, the name of it is threads of fate costume. So the eye is, uh, there's also this tormentor's visage, which is like a mask or something. Um, the shell of the ancients is the turtle mount. Um, there's the seer of the infinite pet. So here are a lot of, you know, fate, pet, um, a lot of that sort of uh, infinite. Um, you've got this star chaser on there, which is the ship, the Viking ship. So it's almost got this like celestial theme. And at the top of that freehold manner, uh, skin or appearance I'm looking at, it's almost like that's uh, some sort of a telescope light sort of situation going on. But I'm looking at that. And again, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because here's what concerns me about this. And I know that these are, they look great. They look great artistically. They look really nice and everything. But my concern is that I'm, I'm starting, I continue to notice a problem that I feel like is a problem and that concerns me. And that's the art style and the direction that's going. Uh, they're jumping around in art style. And I'm starting to see, like, you'd think back to PAX East, right? And a lot of that stuff um, had the, you know, Boston Tea Party kind of almost appearance to it. When you, when you looked at it, it had, of course, the big um, gate that you could, it was like a, a housing item. Uh, but I look at all of these things and I, and I go from month to month to month. And while some of these are very appealing to me and they look great, uh, the concern that I, I continue to have is art style. And my concern with art style is I have, you know, I feel like it's important to find that balance I've talked about between realism and it looking really clean and, and really pretty um, and almost like ambient lighting and stuff. I enjoy that. And I enjoy it with the kind of mix where you got that high fantasy um, animated animation sort of style where it's a little bit cartoony but not too much to take away from the sense of realism so that you can balance things and you know long term for a game it looks good but my concern is that they're not nailing down a specific art style and i'm not really seeing a specific art style like we see the the um concept art for like weapons and even in the june 4th i think it was june 4th live stream on a Monday, I believe that we saw the, you know, some of the armor and stuff like that. But we, it, I'm having a hard time seeing all this cool um, design art with concept art, and I'm, it's not feeling parallel in a lot of ways, if that makes sense. So, do you all have any concerns about that as well, or any thoughts about that, or even the shop in general? Um, I don't, I don't really have any concerns with it. I like that they go with different art styles. Uh, I. I think it adds different aspects of the game. Like, I think everybody has their own way they want to play a certain game, and if they lock it into just one style, one art style, and all that stuff, it's going to turn certain people off. I like to play the game and design things in the game how I want to see. You don't really have a problem with it being buried throughout landscape no, or I, individuals? I kind of like that it's buried. Like, I think one part of the landscape should be one way, and if you're on the completely different side of the map, it should be something different. Like, I live here, you live there. Mm -hmm. Your view and everything is much different than mine. Mm -hmm. I'm sure your house in real life looks much different than mine. Yeah. I mean, yours got this nice screen, and I got this mess going. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Revel? What are some of your thoughts about that? <laughs> I mean, my thoughts on some of the stuff like the, the outfits and the 
the houses that they're doing. That stuff to me is really spot on. I really think that that those things in general so far have been matching with what I would interpret the game to be. Like things like a stuffer tent or things like a turtle mm -hmm. with a shell and stuff on its back. That stuff that is born in imagination and applied into a game. So, <clears throat> you know, I'm not knocking it, but it's just, you know, I need to know a little more of where, what, what the origin or the backstory of some of yeah. these things are before I can be on board with something like that and get in a game like, like Ashes of Creation. Now, what is a game like Ashes of Creation? That story is that story is the tale of, of our experiences. So with that being said, my experience is how do I see the relevance of a turtle with a galaxy on his back when I don't even know the story of the whole world that I'm engaging in right, right now. Um, so I get where you're coming from, but mm -hmm. I also see where O'Keefe is coming from, where it attracts more people to the game. It may go towards a different, you know, I think in a marketing sense, it's cool. Um, in a game sense, like for me as a player, it's not going to appeal to me. I, in this, in this pack, this mount does not appeal to me. Mm -hmm. This, um, whatever that is. <laughs> with the eye going on that does not appeal yeah. to me i see galaxy actually i think i see a little bit of the galaxy in its eye so maybe it kind of ties into the like you said astro uh astrology type of thing that's cool um the one thing that does stick out to me though is the face mask to me that doesn't match any of this um and it looks cool uh i'm not knocking it but i just really don't understand where that ties into the package as a whole. So that's pretty much yeah. just my take on it. Yeah, like I could see how, you know, potentially we're all playing the game and we come across some story and, you know, maybe some keepers of a tower somewhere or of a fortress somewhere that mirror that that uh, Freehold Manor skin. We come across these keepers and part of them is they're wearing this cloak and this garb and they have a visage that looks similar to that, that maybe even has a texture that we don't see in that artistic or concept art that we've seen for the uh, cosmetic and potentially could totally tie in and make a lot of sense, but it's, you know, we're not having the information. So I see where both of you are coming from. I think, I think for me, it's just a matter of, I, I don't feel like I've seen enough at this time. And I feel like I'm, I think I'm wanting to see more of the game, more of the art style, more, just in general of the game. And I think maybe my frustration is coming from also a place of that the devs have gone in the dark again. Like they had the, uh, and I get that's like every month, but it's definitely a reoccurring trend. And it's probably in, in a large way because they don't have a community manager still, but I'm hoping they get one soon because it's like, we'll get some information and it's, it's almost like just, just bare, bare bones, man. It's not enough even for me to feel like I can work with on a monthly basis. Um, so, you know, it's it's like we get information and then we are able to talk about it for a little while. And then we get to like a, almost like week four and it's like darkness. It's almost like we kind of have like a dark period or a dark spell where there's not tweeting anything. I, I would, again, I'm reiterating the same thing I've mentioned before. I'd like to see consistency and more in that area. Um, 
there is going to be an episode in the future where more than likely we'll probably be able to touch base on this because I want to talk about the lore a bit. I don't know when that's going to happen, but um, the discussion on the Harbingers is something I'm, I have a lot of speculation about too. Uh, so I can see what you mean because they, they do the different races. Like Keith said, we're in different uh, regions or even countries or different domains where the art style could drastically change because of the culture. So it makes sense and it could fit in. And I almost heard a little bit of appeal, or I thought, when Revel talked about how um, in WoW you have a lot of vanity pets and items, and some of them are even tied to pop culture, like in our real world, that, that it's in-game and it's something just kind of fun to have and play with. So kind of like the Stuffertons thing. So I can kind of see both your perspectives. Um, and that's just my, my take and kind of some of my thoughts about it. Um, so talking about stuff and items... Let's talk a little bit about some of the reasons that we might see wars or trade wars and ashes. When I say trade wars in this context, I mean you got stuff I want and I'm going to take it. There's a lot of reasons I can see there being wars, though, in ashes. Now, we already know that there will be, you know, guild wars. There will be communities that war against each other and there's not, it's a non-faction based game. So what that leaves you with is trade communities and you know um groups of people with ideologies we'll call guilds right it's not quite the same as a community because guilds really tie into trade more than they tie into into uh into groups or communities in my perspective it's it's guilds were always formed because of trade or because of their trades and things they specialized in and things they sought out uh, goals that were related to that and so in Ashes, there seems to be a pretty high level of importance placed on uh, trade routes, caravans. So I can see Metropolis A and Metropolis B, right? Uh, the leaders of each of these metropolises, um, while they are under certain conditions or while they reign, their choices then allow for there to be potentially a certain uh, commodity that is in abundance there and only in that place that alone is enough in this game from my perspective with there being a node system even without the node system if you know that region a b c and d only region a if the leader has made this choice there will be this commodity this resource this partic particular maybe mithril or something or potentially a mine that's open to where you can kill a particular creature that drops something that you can potentially skin or something, right? And that hide is used to make this legendary armor that only maybe a handful of people can can craft and make. And so I can see how from a combat perspective, not just PvP, just a combat perspective in accomplishing a goal, how just the fact that that place has that thing, they're the ones that have it, we need it, we want it. We're going to take it. We're going to go and attack them, even if it's just the guilds that we're talking about, to help overthrow the person in power or, you know, new alliances are formed in order to, to achieve those ends. So I see a lot of different reasons that there will be wars and conflict. And I feel like trade wars is going to be a pretty big thing. And not just trade wars in the sense of we're fighting for money here, but for literal taking of things and domains. So those are some of the reasons I feel like that we're going to see conflict and ashes. But um, can you all think of any other reasons that either guilds or uh, individuals in power would have reason to, to fight one another? 
Yeah, I was definitely thinking like the territorial wars where people are going to want to be in certain areas and there's certain resources or yeah. certain creature, like you're saying, or stuff like that. People are definitely going to want it. And unfortunately, it's going to end up being the larger guilds that get them. So it's going to be harder for the little guy to essentially even start up. Like, a big problem I would see with that is, like, you played the game six months. I just started. And I want to I wanna start building this this armor. And this area is the only place. I'm going to have to join one of those big guilds. Or make my own build big guild and start a war. Which sounds actually like a lot of fun. <laughs> it does. You have any thoughts, Rebel? Um, I think for so the reasons uh, that many people may go to war in ashes. I, I'm uh, aside from trade and tropolis and guilds. Uh, I think all of that can kind of be tied into one word: dishonor. For me, um, if somebody dishonors me or my community. Uh, you know, the guild I'm with, Metropolis I'm with, uh, let's say our caravan gets ambushed by a group of thieves. Th that group of thieves is tied into the next town's Metropolis. You know, that's the kind of stuff that creates wars. And then, you know, also diplomacy. Diplomacy between the two Metropolises, between the two guilds or uh, just individuals in general. Um, if you can come to an understanding or a forgiveness or a treaty or, you know, just, or if somebody just crosses that line, like that's the kind of stuff that can start wars and ashes of creation from what I see. And that would be a great way to play a game. Um, in all honesty, I think it makes it fun. It makes it, it makes you immersed in the game. And that's what I would like to see actually. So the reasons for war, dishonor and lack of diplomacy and i would like for both of those aspects to be in the game honor as well sorry you know i actually i i actually have a feeling that the caravan system is going to be a huge reason for wars because i think what's going to happen is like like keep was saying aside from just the fact that it's like you know you run this place so we're going to build up our forces and come take it because we want this i think aside from even that component the fact that if let's say that people are like, that's a daunting task and we don't want to go through all the work of that because it could potentially be just like an uphill climb that could have no endpoint from what you are aware of unable to gauge how long it could even take or what that kind of work is, is going to come, you know, expect others to be able to contribute. However, taxing that is one other way is going to be to, if there's people doing caravans shipping those goods and we don't want to go take out the, the powers that be we know that they're making the choice to have this commodity available and their people are shipping it. We're just going to go jack their stuff. We're going to, we know the trade routes. We're going to camp the trade routes and we're going to, we're going to wait. We're going to have our, you know, super stealthy scouts out there and they're going to let us know what they see. And we're going to go and we're going to take it right. We're going to take it when they least expect it. Full force. And this is where I can see the Zergling mentality coming into play too. Because they could literally just kind of wait for that moment and, and just Zerg it and take it before there's any opportunity. Because how many people are going to go and take their whole guild every time 
that they need to tr take a caravan somewhere or how many people that are going to be there. So I know that they talked about caravans having the, the, was it the leaders, the people that are shipping the goods, I think have to be present. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure they have to be present in some capacity during the trade, like not the trade, but when the caravan's actually en route somewhere, I can see people going and taking it. I can see that being another reason for conflict. So to me, that's meaningful conflict. Um, and that's some of the reasons we, we could see like dishonor, right? This person was, you know, camping someone or camping that trade route, always going after this particular person. And it's always that other guild. So we're going to declare a war against that guild because we want to put them in their place. Or perhaps there's something, you know, some sort of a system in place that allows us to have a level of prestige because we took our foes out. Whatever that is, people are going to have their reasons for it. But, um, so talking about guild conflict, do you feel like guild, because I think about guild wars, and I think about guild conflict. Guild conflict to me isn't as appealing as the overall arcing theme of combat between communities in general. For example, metropolises or individuals who are in power or even the traders that are rivaling. I feel like that's more meaningful to me than guild wars are. What are your thoughts about guild conflict and guild wars and ashes? I love it. I love Guild Wars and Guild Conflict. I think it's a huge, fun aspect to the game for me. Uh, I'm not whole, I'm not too much into the content of games too much. I'm more of what you make of it with mm -hmm. other players. And if I'm with a, a whole bunch of boring players, it's not fun <laughs> for me. Like I, I like fighting. I like getting into conflicts. I like getting all like heated and in the heat of a battle. Like, hey, you, cursing people out and stuff like that and then after they're like wow that was a great match guys good times yeah. right <laughs> you guys really kicked my ass and yeah. that camaraderie stuff about like it. that yeah yeah i love that stuff yeah, yeah I mean, i'm just all into conflict <laughs> pretty much with o'keefe on that one i mean i'm a little more reserved when it comes to like me and keith have different types of styles uh he likes to get in there early i like to gather as much uh opportunity to gain the upper hand before i go into battle i like to play very smart but at the same time when i'm when i'm playing i'm aggressive but i make sure i have all my ducks in a row before i uh, i plan an attack or actually attack in the first place um so yeah i'm i'm definitely with o'keefe on that i think uh guild conflict with other guilds is the best actually to me that reminds me of a that reminds me of an open world raid okay and that is what i like to see oh, yeah. so the more conflict the better for me as a player because i'm going to be more immersed into not just only protecting the honor of my guild but also the honor of my land and what i contributed towards and you know uh, to me, that is just awesome, and it's so important to me. You know, I'm kind of curious how the the declaration system is going to work, and they've talked about it, where you declare, you know, make a declaration of war against another party, guild, keep, or whatever. And I know they've talked about how the guild, the guild leaders, when when I think they even said forming the declaration is something that is crafted. It's, it requires, uh, you know, 
different people in your guilds who have different trades. You can craft different things to be able to cre create the components to complete this whole piece that's needed. And people can, I'm hoping people are going to be able to, that the guild leaders, for example, are going to be able to kind of pick the people that are going to craft the items and put the pieces together. So you've got these people in place that you know are your guy for this. Just like, you, you know, in, in, in overall in like WoW, for example, um, in ESO, I don't see that system or really, really WoW is the only system where I've, I've had that. But when usually when 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 I've led high end raiding guilds, um, trade's a big component of that because in WoW, for example, you've got your alchemist. You know, sure you've got people who have all these different characters. Like I had all these different characters with all these different uh, abilities to craft different things. Like so, you got the person that's the potion maker, you got the person that's the enchanter, you got the person that's the jewel crafter, the person that's the blacksmith, the person that is the clother. A clothier person the one that does the tailoring um so you've got all these people in different capacities with these different roles and so for me when i did high-end writing you know i assigned tasks um there, there's a person who would specifically focus on that high-end buff food for each class and the the primary attributes that they needed the most um, i had a person that would do enchanting they would always have the enchants for the individuals that would get the uh would get that piece of gear that dropped and they rolled or they got it, however they got it assigned to them. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And I had different people in different places, the person that could make the gems. So always on the fly, we had stacked up in the guild tabs. We had those gems of different types, the enchants, they were always there. They were always ready. We could literally, and you know, especially when they had the guild banker to where you could bust out your guild bank right there in the middle of a raid, you could pop that chest open and, get what you needed for your people and keep pushing forward instead of going, okay, let's take a break real fast. You can just do it on the fly. So that was actually pretty cool. Um, but what I think is interesting about ashes is the fact that people are going to be able to really focus on a particular trade, a particular, you know, weapon. And I'm not sure how that's going to look. I, in a lot of other games, it's like, you're expected to bring your own buff food, expected to bring your own pots to, to bring all of these things that are required of you. When you when you're engaging in some in-game uh, activity, but to me, what they have going on here is such it's it's so much more dynamic than trade in any other game I've played because, and maybe I'm missing some of them because this to me looks like it's it's evolved so much more than what I'm used to when it comes to trading and crafting in any game. Now we haven't seen anything on that system yet, but I feel that trades a very vital component to a guild, uh, especially from my perspective as a guild leader, having the individuals in place that can do the different things to me is vital. But what are some of the, what are some of your all's thoughts on, on um, the importance of the roles that the crafters, the shopkeepers, or even the caravans are going to have um, in ashes from a guild perspective or even another one, but primarily guild perspective here. I love it. I, I love how you want one specific role for a person because they can then they can master it. I'm sure there's different levels of let's say armor that people can make, and let's say maybe your armor is better crafted than my armor, and that just creates more trade wars. Really, mm -hmm. well, I don't want to say wars, but it it creates that like crap. How'd you get your armor so good? I want to start making armor that good, and that's just I love that aspect of games where. Mm -hmm. you, specific role i hate like the master of uh uh 
Yeah, I can't think of what I was trying to say there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like people who stick to one role. They all well, have different roles, but like have one character as a specific role. Like I dedicate this character to my armor crafting, and I create all the armor for the guild, and I, I sell it with my trade routes and all that stuff. I, I, I like it. I like that they do that. Well, to me, I think the way that it impacts communities, towns, and regions, and guilds for that fact. Um, trade funds the operation, okay? Uh, somebody who is very skilled in a certain spe specific craft can do maybe the most important job, and that is making sure that your community or your guild accomplishes the mission, and when they win, you win. So... When they win, you get a payout. When they uh, when they win, you get prestige, which attracts other people maybe to your community, or um, or your guild. So the trade is very very important for not just economical, but it's also status within a game or within a community that is beyond the game. Um, and that little bit of that little bit of how much effort somebody puts into being a master crafter or being the best um, weapon smith in the land or something like that that is the uh, that may be the backbone of how certain guilds or communities get noticed or be the reason why they're so uh, advance beyond other types of uh, guilds or communities. So, to me, trade is it just funds the operation in that sense and manner. So, how important do you think, from your standings right now, it's going to be for a guild to have? If you had to, if you had to come up with a just general number, if you just throw a number out there, what do you feel like for a guild to be successful? What number do you think they're going to have to sit at? They, we don't know what the guild max levels are going to be as far as how many people it can hold either, but you know, just thinking about it in the context of having individuals in the guild that are involved in caravans or trade and knowing that guilds will war and we we got to see in the live stream some of what that you know potentially raiding and other keeps going to look like, minus all the decor and all of the items that you would probably see in a building, but if you had to shoot a number out there, what do you think is going to be like the minimum number of people you'd need to have in a guild in order to be just successful? Guilds are only as good as the amount of people that are on at that time. Active. So the more people that you have in a guild, the more likely chance that you're going to have people on at the same time. Yeah. Um, unless you plan certain events like declarations and wars and stuff like that. So no matter how big your guild is, if you have the right type of people in that guild, like that are almost no lifers is how I like to describe them. I myself that fall into that category. <laughs> Even if when I have a job, a full-time job, all that, it doesn't matter. I'm still a no lifer because I enjoy games. Um, and that's what, I, that's what I like to play. So I'm immersed in the game all the time, regardless if I have a 40 hour work week or not. When I get off work, that's where I'm at is in game. So, Having said that, a rough number, 
I think if you have at least 20 people, in my estimation, 20 people to always be on, always be consistent, even if it's not the same time, at least on once or twice a day to make sure that everybody stays up to date with the current, I don't want to say meta, but with the current um, aspect that they bring to the guild or community itself. So like they always have to be on and upgrading or trying to find an upgrade for the next crafting or find the next uh, upgrade for um, a, a new caravan route or something to advance your community. A 20, 20 man operation, I think is a good starting operation for Ashes of Creation. That is just in my mind. The, the minimum number. I don't I don't think there is a two like a I think twenty is a good point. I think like ten consistent would be good. I think twenty is I think you're right. I think twenty is a good number. Um but like you said, they gotta be in like no lifers where they they're consistently on all the time. At least have a good number on all the time. Because that's just gonna keep everything going. You can have a hundred people in your guild, but if they're never on, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's useless, really. My thoughts are like 15 to 25 active members that are on consistently. Not necessarily all the time when they're not working or something or whatever and tearing into their sleep schedule. But reliably, you know that out of however many people in your guild are actually in the guild that out of that number you've always got an online status of somewhere between 15 to 25 uh and the reason i say that too is like you said you've got just actively they've talked about too about having it set to where now we know declarations of war um we know that those are things that i think they are scheduled or that it's planned to where there's going to be a period where i think both sides acknowledge this is the window that we're allowing this to happen um, so I think that from a positive standpoint, it's something that's going to be able to be scheduled as an event. Um, so I think that in order to be effective in that event, you definitely are going to want to know that you've got X amount of people. I think that's going to also depend on, uh, for me as a guild leader, my, my standing is this, like, I want to know that if there, we are going to have a declaration of war that we're going to uh, accept this declaration and that we're going to participate in this declaration through this time period that I know that a, those consistent people, you know, we're going to have the number of basic base on and that I'm going to be able to have X amount of people sign up based on how big this operation is going to be. And I think that knowing the size of the operation is to me vital in knowing what the goals need to be as far as the numbers. Um, so I can agree with what you're both saying. And I think that the role merch, well, whether we're talking, we talked about barkeeps before too, right? How there's like buff food and stuff like that drinks. Um, <clears throat> I think the individuals who run caravans, the people that specialize in a trade, I think it's important that whatever you master that you you're focused on and you're able to bring that in. And I think that as a guild leader, it's important to know that you're utilizing people that are fulfilling those roles because I can see there being not in like a meta, but 
a definite set of trade types, trader types that you're going to need in. Like you're going to need to have somebody focusing on blacksmithing um, because this isn't like ESO. You can't just go and go, hey, I'm going to do it all. It's going to be, there's the master of something here. And you want to have enough master crafters, so to speak, there because I feel like you're probably going to need to have that. I feel like when it comes to in-game, if you don't have some master crafters that are able to fulfill different capacities, general capacities, I think that you're probably going to be weaker as a guild. And that's just my thoughts right now based on my own speculation. Um, and I agree that I think the caravans and the idea of trade, I, I feel like that's going to be a very large reason for conflict. And it's going to be very meaningful conflict because enabled to be at your best as a community guild, even a metropolis, you're going to need to be able to have X amount of stuff and things. And the only way to get it, if it comes from another region, is caravans. And I feel like that's going to be where the caravan system is going to be extremely important. Um, I don't know how much of an undertaking that's going to be, though. My my concern with caravans is that it's something that could take you hours and hours to do. And I'd, I would hate for it to take that long because... It's you're going to have to guard it from point A to B. And if this is a big open world, how how big, how long is that going to take? And who's going to have time to invest in those? And if it's a, the Zerg Guild with a ton of people that have a higher number of people that could do those and sit there for all those hours, then you're going to have metropolises and communities that are going to be far superior, I think. And so I'm wondering how they're planning to balance that component, if that indeed is how that's going to play into the way the game and communities function. Um, do you all have any speculation as to maybe what they're aiming for when it comes to trade and the node system and how that's going to evolve? I don't know, to be honest. It's, it's definitely interesting, but I don't think they've said enough about it to have much speculation. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm kind of with O'Keefe. Uh, I know as much as I mean, same. You know more than anybody. Um, out of three of us here, and uh, <clears throat> speculation at this point would be foolish, in my personal yeah. opinion. Um, what I would probably like to see, as far as trade, though, like my personal opinion. I don't want it to be the center. I definitely don't want it to be like as important as the other aspects of the game. Um, I want it to be important enough to where I can contribute to a caravan, caravan run and have the uh, almost feel the necessity to probably join a caravan run mm -hmm. um, to help out. But I definitely don't want it to be the centerpiece of the game i would like to be grouping with my friends a lot more um you know i would like to do a lot more group activity than i would like to do things myself um and that is you know i'm pretty sure o'keefe can even agree with that one that is the type of gameplay that i like i don't like to play alone so why would i want a game where you've got trade that's important you've got religious stuff that's important you've got stuff that you can do in your house in your home in the town like that keeps me out of the world i don't want to just be in my own little world in my own community i want to help out sure but i want to help out 
out there. I don't want to help out in the metropolis so much as I want to help out in the world. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. See, I, I feel like I've got like counter ideas about trading and trade wars because I feel like there's a possibility that a lot of people could guard one, right? But to, in order to attack one, like we talked about, to go and schedule attacking one, you know you're going to gain corruption, right? Because that's a that's a PvP component. If you're going to attack a caravan, you're going to be doing PvP. And if you attack, there's going to be corruption. We know corruption's going to be... So then, then makes me wonder also, well, if corruption's going to be something that's going to exist in the game, how much corruption am I going to get? Is it going to be enough to where it's worth the the debuff so to speak the the negative attribute that i'm going to incur or we will occur as incur as a community um so it's like it's important to me that you're able to trade and to be able to do all that um but then again it's like how much i don't want it to be the the core focus of the game i feel like trades gonna be important and caravans are gonna be important but I don't want it to be where we've got to do all of that. Because if you got to do all that, you got to have all of your guildies going to help me potentially participate in guarding it. I could see people setting events up and going, hey, we're going to go and do this on this day. We're going to trade. We're going to do this caravan. We're going to need to guard it. And then how many people sit there and nothing happens? And maybe because you don't get attacked. like it's good. Then you're going to have like this thing where it's like maybe no one even wants to bother with it or to engage in it. And I can see that being... A problem in a few other capacities like potentially even in in world pvp so there's yeah there's not a lot of information and it's too early to speculate and i don't think we're gonna know a whole lot about it until i want to say probably well into next year i would say because we know that they say quarter four is we're going to talk about you know sieges right yeah i expect in phase two they'll probably have something about like that. alpha phase two yeah no. Uh, if not Alpha Phase 2, then probably Beta 1 for sure. No, maybe Beta 1. Yeah, I can see that too. I think I think for me, it's like I'm, I want to get an understanding and a really good idea about this, and it's hard not to speculate at the same time. However, it's something I want to know because if it's going to be a really big component, then as a leader, you need to be able to make certain... Um, goals you need to set certain goals and know what you need to need to set your goals for because I'm not big on huge communities I like to kind of keep it simple um, and not to have a massive community but just enough to get the job done people you can rely on confidently have um, what you need yeah and know what you need and people that are willing to fill those roles as well um, <clears throat> excuse me so we're coming off of a, a long weekend a long stream weekend all of us actually and so our episode is going to round down a bit shorter than usual. Um, but before we get going today, what are some thoughts about what can make and keep the idea of trade and conflict and trade interesting to you all? Do you have any ideas to that? I think the caravan system is going to keep it interesting because it's not just it's not just making your goods and selling your goods. Mm -hmm. You actually have to protect them. Mm -hmm. over people stealing them and whatever other things you can probably do. I don't know yet. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely like the uh, caravan system. It sounds very interesting and in-depth, but again, I, I can't speculate too much on everything. Big old question mark, yeah. Yeah, that's 
I'm so impatient. <laughs> I am too. I just want to know. I'm going to own it. I, I, I feel like I'm going to feed into all the speculations. That's why I try to keep out of like looking things up until it's like official, official. I know. But yeah, I think that's definitely going to add to the uh, crafting situations. So the biggest thing that I've always wanted to say, and I've never gotten the opportunity to say it, um, this fits perfectly. So like you said, Sam, um, you did everything in World of Warcraft, and this is the same thing I did when I was a guild leader in World of Warcraft. You did everything uh, to get ready for raids and battlegrounds and stuff like that. You had certain people to fill certain roles and do certain jobs. Mm-hmm. How did how did you get the funding for that operation? Well, that came with the members that were also helping uh, with either gold or supplying materials but that also came from doing raids themselves and the dungeons and the rewards you got. However, it was always lackluster. There wasn't enough rewards to fund the operation. So people had to spend time farming, which is something we never liked doing mm-hmm. ever. I mean, the, some people God, really enjoy it. I yeah. It. People like, yeah. People like, I know you do. Yeah. We don't, we don't like doing that. We like act, doing activities in the game that are essential to the game, that is something that we like to do, like raiding, PvP, um, dungeons. We want rewards for doing that that can help us be competitive in the trade market. And that's something I haven't seen in games. It does. Most games don't reward the players that go out and do things and be competitive in an economical st- standpoint. I would like that opportunity as somebody who likes to go out there and likes to put the pedal to the metal and punch things in the face. And, you know, I want to be rewarded for doing the high end content and not just having to fund my own operation or fund the guild's operation without contributing in things that I enjoy doing. So, I think if you want to revolutionize the gaming industry, do it with rewarding people for their efforts. If it's something really hard, don't just give us a legendary, mm-hmm. you know, weapon or a legendary mount or something extravagant. You could even reward us by giving us an edge in the trading industry in the game letting us support the next or letting us fund the next operation or helping our guild in some way. I think that would be a way where you can take the world and mix it into uh, the trading industry in the game is if you were to supply a little bit more rewards than most games were or have done in in the past. Yeah. Like uh, the one thing I could think of is they've talked about making the rating pretty difficult and to me i agree with you because for me when you talked about how we'd fund a a guild operation or how i'd fund a guild i always think in traditional wow in that particular game uh when i led the guild uh was probably where i've had the most experience leading outside of star wars or eso star wars guild republic or the other scrolls online um and a lot of times we would go and we'd do raids we get the boe drops we'd sell the boes and the money and gold for the boes would go directly into the guild bank 
um, along with any any of those types of things that would drop because the BOEs don't they tend to not be the best in slot item anyway. They're just kind of a uh, you know these days an item level booster, uh, general upgraded stats, um, and it's sometimes it's not even a, a real upgrade. It's more of like a side grade as I call it, but with a higher miter level. So overall, statistically, your numbers are going to be higher. It's just maybe not in the 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 uh, the area that you need it the most. Um, it might be in some of these complementary kind of sub sub areas that are still beneficial, but not not the primary stat of choice. Um, so selling that stuff, um, you know, I, I agree with you though. Um, a lot of it would come down to outside of that world drops sometimes we would sell the world drops but we'd sell it in this global auction house um before and that was back before they made it to where it was cross alliance as well like it is now um but a lot of the time like that was about half of the income and the other half of the income came from quite frankly the people that like to just be online and craft the people that like to just be online and farm now, i like to farm and to run around and pick herbs and do all that stuff but that's not that that's like that's supplemental to to what it is I primarily like to do or in a lot of times it's the primary reason that I do it so that I've got the income to supply myself and to always keep myself ahead of the curve um but you know a lot of the times it came down to some of those people in the guild who they didn't raid with us they didn't uh really do a whole lot of pv content or pvp content they were, but they were the people that were online when they weren't at work and they were, you'd always see them out and about in different zones, running around, farming the thing they like to do, crafting stuff, making money. And sometimes they would contribute just money, but a lot of times they would contribute, um, supplies, uh, crafted items and say, Hey, I've got, I've made like, I made 400 of these. I, I have an extra stack if you want to sell it for the guild. And then we'd sell it and we'd take that money and throw it in there. Or we'd have people that would contribute. Um, there was a system that went into place where <clears throat> when we're talking about supplying guilds here, which is a little side note, but it does tie into trade, uh, where when they added the guild levels, some of those perks were, remember, and they're still there, I think, where when you're out doing stuff, X amount of your gold goes to the guild. I like that system. It's it's just a fraction, a small fraction of the gold you loot and, and stuff like that. Um, but a fraction of that goes to the guild. I didn't care about the guild achievements and stuff. I feel like that's one of those things where we're trying to force you to be in the game to grind kind of thing. I don't feel like that stuff's really super important. But as a guild leader, that was important because if you ha had people, you didn't have to have 500 people. You just needed to have active people. If you had 10 to 15 to 20 people that were actively playing every day and doing stuff like killing monsters or raid bosses or dungeon bosses and looting gold, a fraction of that went in. And the higher the in-game content was, the higher the gold dropped. Therefore, the higher percentage of that gold would go into the guild bank and the guild was funded. And so a combination of those things worked. For me, the caravan idea and, and, and potentially having trade wars is fascinating and i am one of the people that when i play a game i jump all in and do all areas of it i immerse myself fully and i do it all i try it all i do it all um unless it has dark intentions and then if it's for an achievement i'll do it but then i'll quickly cleanse myself of the the bad choices and you know bathe in the light once more but um uh, yeah so 
on the horizon, I think I would love to see more about this. I'd like to see more information and detail. I can understand why the studio is not sharing a ton um, at this point. I, I think that it would be really easy for a big game company, you know, for example, Bethesda or something, right? Uh, if I think of Bethesda or I think of any of the big publishers, big companies that have been in the game for a long time, Blizzard, for example, any of those types of companies, if they get wind of an innovative idea, something new, I mean, they could quickly implement that into their games way faster than a small company could. So I can see why they're keeping, you know, a, a lot of the conversation in these domains quiet and private. Uh, but I am looking forward to the day when I'll know more about it because as a guild leader and as a person who does trade, this is some information that I, I something I need to know. And it's uh, kind of goes back to feeling a, a little bit of a loss of information and just being impatient to see it. Um, but um, eyes on the horizon. What are some things that you'd like to see here in the future? Maybe maybe in, in regard to trade, conflict, or just overall right now that you feel like you're not really seeing from the game. Just some thoughts. Honestly, not a whole lot. I mean, it's too early for them to really tell us a whole lot. So it goes back into the speculation things we we're talking about. That I mean, I like to see them give us a lot more information on all that stuff so we can form opinions on it. But it's it's just too early in the game development. I, oh. I think there's a lot of aspects that they don't know right now. Oh, yeah, that's honest. true. So I'm going to follow up question. What's the thing you're most excited about seeing at this time? Just about the game in general. That's a tough question. I, um, probably the node system. I, I think that's the most interesting aspect of it because I haven't seen any games do anything similar where the world is ever changing. Well, you're I think that's going to play a big aspect into all of it. Absolutely. I'm going to keep cutting off so, Revel when he tries to talk. Yeah, no, you're good. No, you, you're didn't, right. you didn't cut me off. No, yeah, I'm good. I agree. Um, but yeah, I agree with the node system. The thing is, is that that horse is dead, and I'm sick of beating it, and I'm tired of yeah. other people beating it. It's, it's happened a lot. To, it's to the point that it's decayed by now, and there's almost not a horse left. So saying yeah. nodes, saying nodes, nodes is going three. nowhere. Yeah. No, I'm done with that. I, I'm not. I'm not I pushing was them. Done, I was done a month ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, now I've moved on, and we've it, the community has seemed to also move on, and it's in a high demand right now. We want to know about our classes and how they're going to, how they're. Uh, we want to see more on the classes. Not mm -hmm. they've only revealed four classes, so not just we don't just want classes part two. We don't want you to fill in the other four. We want to see all the classes and the mixture of their archetypes and how you think they might work. That's what we want to see. We want to theory craft. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. That is going to provide a buttload of content. Oh yeah. A hell of a lot of content. Yeah. We've, we've done a lot of content already, just theory crafting on how they're going to implement the, um, the, uh, the, uh skills and how they're going to implement the uh the cross of archetypes man there's going to be a lot of content that or, that we're going to be able to discuss and talk about um not just as content creators but even if i if i wasn't part of that uh collective 
I would have the imagination and I would have an idea of what I want to play and what I want to get ready for because Alpha One, I may be one of those participants. I may or may not. Who knows? But I want to know a little bit about what I'm getting into. You know, I don't want it to be a shock or a surprise. It'd be great to have that first initial. Oh yeah, but see, I'm one of those. I'm one of those people personally that can get into a game and play it very quickly like that. I get to know my character very fast. So I want to get out there and learn about the cross archetypes more than I want to learn about the single archetypes. Mm -hmm. See, I'm torn with my answer because I'm torn between, I feel like knowing more about the nodes, not just how they develop, but I think, the perspective I'm the most curious about is what in the world spawns, so to speak, like what, what comes from a node evolving and what does that look like? What are the things that some of the things, like, even if we're just talking about some general things, like give us some ideas about, we've talked about, Oh, it could be a dragon or this and that. But um, I think I'm looking at it in a broader term, like, well, what are, all of those possibilities what are some more of those possibilities they could be generalized i'm curious about that but i'm torn between wanting to know that but i can wait for that i'm torn between that and i'm torn between the class system um and i think the thing that i'd like to see the most is and this is me as a content creator being being i'm selfishly saying this i want to stream this game i want to show people this game I want to be able, not not just for me as a content creator, but I think it's important that the community has that because we're streaming game a game called Fracture Lands that's in close beta. And we have gotten to see all of the conversation in our own channels and all of the excitement from people. And that stuff has a tendency of continuing to grow and to evolve and to feed into itself. And it keeps that forward momentum we talked about in the very first Simcast forward momentum and i feel like it's vital because in in sharing that content and in being able to have individuals streaming it you get their feedback you get their thoughts and you get encouragement and reinforcement about this is not a finished product this is super early this is not but we're not doing that yet there was a moment where it seemed like some people were going to be able to and then it was kind of just left and it just kind of faded away under the back burner and it's like that fading away into the back burner is the thing that I really want. I don't want to continue seeing uh, because it's, in my opinion, it's inhibiting the growth of the game and the game's community. Uh, so I think it would be vital for them to have content of some kind, whether it's content creators or just consistently showing new things. Doesn't have to be a lot, just something to keep people talking about it. Um, because the one thing I'm worried about is that, you know, people are going to be like, uh, I never see anything, so I stopped paying attention to it. And the majority of people that, you know, pay attention to MMORPGs are super jaded people. I mean, I, I see it with the MMORPG genre more than any other genre. It it seems like people are the most critical of of those games in the genre. It seems like they're quicker to bring a hammer down and call it bad. Uh, granted, I think there are a lot of them that fell and are bad anyway. But I still think that people are quick to drop the hammer and that inconsistency just makes it easier for that to happen. And that's not what I'd like to see happen for Ashes. So I'm hopeful that there's more. Go ahead. 
Uh, just, just one last thing while you're touching on that. Like, yeah. it's it's really important that I uh, back you up on this because ever since that we got into the fold and we became partners, uh, partners with Fractured Lands, like you said, forward momentum. Yeah. And it all started with the commu- with the with the communication between not the devs and us. We didn't we didn't need a Steven. We we had a community manager yeah. that we talked to and he talks to the dev team. And it's a beautiful exchange and there is definitely forward momentum and it's fast forward momentum. When we get into the game and we play and we give our feedback, if not that day, the next the next couple of times that we log in, mm-hmm. we see a change. We see something that's something different. We see something that makes the game better. So our feedback is being implemented. Even if it's not my specific feedback, it could be Sim's feedback or it could be O'Keefe's feedback like over there. We send in feedback and stuff got changed the next time we logged in. That is awesome. That is awesome. And I really enjoy seeing that. And I really enjoy being a part of that personally. Um, and that's one thing that I definitely want to give Fractured Lens a shout out for, even though this is an Ashes video, uh, but still. I really, yeah, and I really feel like, <clears throat> excuse me, I really feel like that possibility is there with Ashes too. And it's just a matter of getting the ball rolling so it can continue to gain momentum. Because I kind of feel like we, it's kind of on its way and it's going along, you know, at its own pace and it's still hitting its points as it should be. But it's almost like the the momentum slows, and then it's almost like it goes down down slope or goes quicker, and then kind of works a little harder to get up. It doesn't doesn't maintain consistently. Um, but I agree, yeah. I think it, and I think it'd be good for the community to see that you know there there is a lot of positive feedback from you know elements like content creators and and just you know people that are able to share information to see like hey. We talked about it, the conversation was had, they took it, they did something with it, and as a community and game, it grew into something better for it. Um, so I agree, I agree with that. So uh, we're gonna do some quick outros here. Uh, tell us your domains, where you reign, how people can find you, Keith, in the rubble. Uh, twitch.com, or twitch.tv, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. twitch.tv slash Keith. Uh, that's basically where to find me, or in <laughs> Virtue. I'm always in Virtue's chat. Right, right. Uh, same here, minus the O'Keefe part. You can find me at twitch.tv <laughs> slash RebelStrike. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter um, at RebelStrike, um, capital R, capital S. Um, and you can definitely find me here at Virtue. I'm always in chat. I'm always watching chat because I have nothing else to do. So um, stop on by and uh, say a little something to the camera or not. Whatever. It's up to you. <laughs> and I've been yeah, C. Morgan, your host. forgot about the Twitter. Yeah, the tweeter. Don't forget about the tweeter. But yeah, um, their gentleman's stuff and things will be down in the description below. I've been C. Morgan, I'm your host, and I will catch you all next time, next week. Until then, catch you on stream. Have a great week, everybody.